We are going to be thinking the next few weeks about the book of Proverbs. And um, just by way of intro, um, I've been reflecting this week that in our world, um, we have more information than ever. When I was a kid, the ultimate source, uh, the ultimate authority of information in our house was the Children's Encyclopedia Britannica, all 20 or so volumes of it. Some of you may remember that, or maybe you had the big one. And if that failed, then it was a trip down to the library, searching through the books there, trying to find out what we needed to know. A newspaper a short while back ran a question. What fact, if you told it to someone from 500 years in the past, what fact, if you told it to them, would absolutely blow their minds? This was the winning submission. In my pocket, I carry a device through which I can access all the information and learning from the entire history of human civilization. Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, Einstein, and they'd go, who's Einstein? And I'd say, a really smart guy from the 20th century. Every play, every poem, every great novel, all the world's information in my pocket. And I use it to watch cat videos. Never before in human history have we had access to so much information. Never has technology been so helpful to us. Right now I've got a timer there to make sure I don't go over time. But arguably, never have we had so little wisdom. Work. Our lives should be less stressful than ever before. But arguably, they're more stressful than ever before. We're always on, always connected, all the time. Relationships. There's Tinder, Bumble, Match.com, even Christian Connection. But again, arguably, human romantic relationships in society and the world at large are at an all-time low. Serial infidelity, serial divorce, so many broken families, an epidemic of pornography and sexual abuse. Leisure. Facebook makes us depressed, Twitter makes us angry, Instagram makes us envious. And how many precious moments of life, how many significant conversations have we missed out on because instead we've been staring at this tiny little shiny thing in our hands. We have such easy access to information, we're drowning in it. So much incredible technology, but so little wisdom. As Dr. Malcolm says to John Hammond in the first Jurassic Park, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think whether they should. Now, this is not an anti-technology rant. I'm recording this on my phone. I'm a technology nerd. I like techie things. But my point is rather that we, probably every generation, tends to think we think that we are the smartest generation that has ever lived, We've got it together better than anyone who came before us. But maybe we haven't. Maybe we should be looking back to the past for wisdom. As I said, we're going to be, I'm not sure if I did say, we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs, um, which is part of what we call wisdom literature. When we're studying the Bible, it can be helpful to think, what am I reading here? Is this history? Is this prophecy? Is it a gospel? Is it one of the letters? Because the kind of literature it is will help us to understand it. 
Um, one of the categories we look at less often is this category of wisdom, literature. Now, all the theologians disagree over exactly which books should be in, but everyone agrees that definitely Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, almost certainly Job and Song of Solomon as well, are wisdom literature. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be spending time in the book of Proverbs. Now, um, grab a Bible if you've got one, um, and if you haven't, there's one under your chair. Um, Proverbs is easy to find. Uh, If you know how to find the book of Psalms, then you can find the book of Proverbs. So book of Psalms is basically in the middle of your Bibles. Then flick over one more book. Psalms is quite long, 150 chapters. But Proverbs comes directly after Psalms. And I'm going to be reading from Proverbs chapter 1. This is page 635, page 635, book of Proverbs. It'll also be on the screen, um, so you can follow that if you like. I'm going to be reading chapter 1, then I'm going to flick over and we'll read chapter 9. We'll be back and forth those two a little bit, so if you have got a paper Bible, if you can nimbly use your fingers to hold the place, or if you've got a stub of a receipt or something else, that might work. But we're beginning in Proverbs chapter 1, page 635, from verses 1 to 7. Let me read. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then turn over a few pages or scroll up in your Bible on your phone. Um, Proverbs chapter 9, page 642, and I'll be reading the whole chapter, Proverbs chapter 9. Six four two, chapter nine, verse one. Wisdom has built her house; she has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, "Come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed." Leave your simple ways, and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers, or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous. And they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Folly is an unruly woman, she is simple and knows nothing. 
She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by who go straight on their way, Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she said, Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Well, let me pray, and then let's see what we can learn from these words. Father, we've just read twice that the fear of you is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of you is the beginning of wisdom. Lord, give us humble hearts, ready to learn. May we fear you and be wise. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, full disclosure, Proverbs is one of my favorite books. Um, As you may know, it has 31 chapters. Um, And for a number of years, I used to read Proverbs every day, one chapter each morning. And as you can work out, that's roughly kind of once a month, every now and then you'd have to miss off uh, chapter 30 or 31. Um, And lots of Proverbs from that time are just kind of in my head from that learning. I've had a couple of interviews recently for jobs, and the the book, the verses that came most often to my mind in answering questions were Proverbs just kind of popping in. A gentle word turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. The heart of a man plans his ways, but ultimately the Lord determines his steps. At heart, the book of Proverbs is about how to live a good life in God's good world. How to live a good life in God's good world. Proverbs is a vision of the good life. It would be false to say that other books of the Bible aren't concerned with physical matters and are only concerned with spiritual matters. But it is fair to say that Proverbs has a a distinctive interest in physical realities. In the order that we can observe in creation as we look around. How to live in this world As we find it, Proverbs teaches us, teaching us forms of life that are in accordance with reality, cutting with the grain of life instead of against it. To be wise is to live in a way that recognizes the way that the world is and then live that way. Now, as we read through the book of Proverbs and we read the different Proverbs that are in it, we need to remember these are not guarantees. They're not promises but they're just the normal way that things work in life. So we just read in chapter 9, the wise will have long life. Their days will be extended. Now that's not always the way, is it? We know some people who are wise who die young, and we know some people who are rather foolish who live for a long time. But in general, if you eat well, exercise, have a good balance of work and rest, then you'll live longer. And if you eat terribly and never exercise and work all the time and get so stressed, then chances are we're more likely not to live to an old age. But as I say, that's, that's the Proverbs are sort of a general expression of the way things are. It's the same with our Proverbs that we use in everyday life. Uh, classic one that we'll often say, you know, you wait ages for the bus, and then, yeah, two come at once, three come at once, yeah, either way, that's the point. That's not always the case, is it? Sometimes you wait ages for the bus and it never comes. Sometimes you wait ages for the bus and one comes. But it's it's frustratingly often that you wait ages for the bus and then three come at once and it's useless for you. 
We'll take another example. Turn with me, um, or just listen along, but turn with me if you like. Chapter 6, uh, verses 9 to 11. And we read here, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Such a good word, isn't it? Sluggard. When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Now, occasionally, very lazy people win the lottery and get very rich. Um, or win big on the stock market. And also some people who work very hard and live a good life sometimes suffer great financial disaster. But in general, if we're lazy, sooner or later we will suffer the consequences. We'll get caught out for that. Or if we work hard, the general practice is there will be a reward. As you can see, Proverbs is very practical. This is one of my favorite proverbs, partly for its comedic value. Um, It's 27.14. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. When I used to work in an office, I used to get up at 5.45 in the morning. Um, But the trouble was my flatmate used to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. So by the time I was awake, he'd already been awake for 45 minutes. So I'm there standing in the kitchen, kind of blearily making my coffee, not wanting anybody to talk to me. And he bounces into the room, morning! At least he did until I quoted this proverb at him. Possibly not as sensitively as I should have done. Well, so then is that all that Proverbs is? Just a collection of common sense packaged up neatly, popped in the middle of the Bible. We've said that Proverbs is about how to live a good life in God's good world, but so far we haven't seen much of God in it. Uh, All the Proverbs so far that we've read are true whether or not you believe in God. Work hard, be lazy, face the consequences, believe in God, doesn't make any difference. Bless your neighbor loudly in the morning, they'll take it as a curse. Doesn't matter whether or not you believe in God. Well, turn back with me to chapter 1, verse 7. And I'm just going to draw two observations out of this uh, very significant verse in the book of Proverbs. And then, I guess one of the things I'd really love from today is to send us away excited to read Proverbs for ourselves. I suspect lots of us won't have read Proverbs before. What about from today or from tomorrow, reading one chapter each morning for the next month, if you like it? Why not carry on? I'm going to go back to doing that from tomorrow morning myself. So by the time we get here next week, we'll have read six chapters um, of Proverbs. And by the end of the month, we'll have read the whole thing. And if we keep doing that, we'll get wiser and wiser and wiser. How to live a good life in God's good world. But chapter 1 verse 7 says this. Knowledge, wisdom is not apart from God. Rather, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Probably the most famous saying in Proverbs. Uh, It comes three times in the book. Here in chapter 1, again in chapter 9, and then right at the end of the book in chapter 31. As if to emphasize how important it is. And the phrase, the fear of the Lord, comes in a number of forms throughout the book 16 times. Now that phrase, the fear of the Lord, I feel we always have to explain it every time we talk about it to remind ourselves it's not quaking terror, 
but it's a relational category. I'm pretty sure I've told you guys before about my friend Ayo. He's six foot eight. He's 16 stone. He used to be a semi-pro basketball player. And when I used to go to the gym with Ayo, people would, would walk past and then stop and just stare at him working out because it's such an impressive sight how much he can lift, what a big guy he is. And we were there one time in the gym, and just for a joke, you know, he started kind of boxing with me. And it was absolutely terrifying because this guy's arms are as long as my legs. How could I possibly fight him? It would be ridiculous. But when I walk down the street next to Io, I feel completely safe. No one is going to mess with us. On my side, because I know him, I fear ever facing him as an enemy because I know how strong he is, how powerful he is. I don't need to fear him, but I know what it would be like if he was not my friend. And that is something of what it's like with us. If we know the Lord, then we don't need to be in terror of him. But we know that we want to be on his side and not on the opposing side. But why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of knowledge? Well, when I know God, when I know that he is God and I am not, when I know how big he is and how small I am, how wise he is and how ignorant I am, then I realize how much I've got to learn. The fear of the Lord, knowing his true nature, is the beginning of wisdom because it teaches me what I need to learn. And that's the first observation, just out of chapter 1, verse 7. The key skill to become wise is humility. The key skill to becoming wise is humility. Again, notice the contrast in chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools, it's not just avoid wisdom and knowledge, don't have wisdom and knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fool thinks, I don't need anyone to teach me anything. I'm fine as I am, thank you very much. Psalm 14 verse 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. But to fear the Lord is to know is to know that there is a God, to know that there is someone above us, to know that we need to learn, to know that we can never know it all. We will always seek to be wiser still. And that's the purpose of Proverbs. We see there in verses 2 to 5, the purpose is for gaining wisdom and instruction. Verse 4, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to those who are young. Now, the simple... And the young, that is those who haven't learned and those who haven't experienced much, it's not their fault that they're not wise. They're just young. They just haven't had much opportunity to learn yet. Whereas the fool is the one who says, I don't need to learn. But even those who are wise, well, actually, they'll prove that they're wise by wanting to learn more. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. Proverbs will make us wise if we are simple and wiser still if we are already wise whoever we are we need to learn now back to chapter 9 or you may want to just listen but back to chapter 9 if you like verse 7 humility is so key that it almost functions as a test of wisdom how will we react when people try to teach us chapter 9 verse 7 whoever corrects a mocker invites insults 
Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. You may remember from uh, the Sermon on the Mount that we were looking at recently about going to our brother or sister and saying, let me help you with that speck in your eye. Now we said you need to be humble and not do that in a judgmental way, but actually Jesus says, first take the log out of your own eye, then go and help. Still go and help. And sometimes that might be to rebuke a brother or sister for the way they've spoken or the way they've acted or a sin that we can see in their lives. And Paul says it's a wisdom test. The wise person ultimately will love you for it. They'll be grateful. And if they're not, then they won't now. So much more we could say about doing that gently, doing that kindly, doing it with their best interest in heart, not out of self-righteousness. But again, when people try to instruct us, how do we respond to that? Do we dislike them for it? Do we hate them for it? Or will we actually love them for it, for trying to help us? To be a mocker is to think you know all you need to know. And if you think that, you can never learn. There's an ancient Chinese proverb, incidentally, that says, the one who asks a question is a fool for five minutes. The one who never asks is a fool for a lifetime. Again, I remember working in the office that I worked in, and I'd been there about six months, and this other guy, I'm going to call him Paul, joined the team next to ours, open plan, so everyone can hear everything everyone else says. And Paul's boss, Jeff, again, not his real name, Paul was constantly asking Jeff questions. He'd be like, Jeff, how do I do this? Jeff, how do I do that? Jeff, how do I do this other thing? He had quite a high-pitched voice. Um, And the others on my team, the girls on my team, would mock him for it. Jeff, how do I do this? Jeff, how do I do that? Jeff, how do I do the other thing? And the thing was, and I sat there thinking, you know, Paul, don't do that, don't do that, because then everyone will know that you don't know stuff. But the thing is, six months on, he was further ahead in the job than I was, because he'd gone through that humility of ask a question, ask a question, ask a question. He looked like a fool for those five minutes, but I'm pretty sure, I think he's actually doing quite well now. And I chose a different path. But, learn. Learn. So, Proverbs will still, this is the thing, like I say, that's a Chinese proverb. That's a truism. That's not a kind of based in the belief in the God of the Bible. Proverbs will still hold true if we live our lives in accordance with them, whether knowingly, whether we know the Lord or not. So almost all the Proverbs, they'll still kind of work for us, whether we believe in God or not. So why does the fear of the Lord help? Well, Proverbs is about living a good life in God's good world, That is, living in accordance with reality, and God is the ultimate reality. Proverbs teaches us that living a good life in God's good world, living wisely, doesn't just happen. It's not coincidence, it's not arbitrary that Proverbs describes a good way to live, but God has designed the world to work a certain way. The order in creation is because God has put it there, work, relationships, speech, jobs, joy rather and the reason we can discern the reason we can learn the reason we can observe and then live wisely is because that is the way that God has designed it and that leads us to our second and briefer observation observation two to live wisely is to live righteously 
To live wisely is to live righteously. Uh, Stay in chapter 9 if you're there, but cast your mind back to verse 7. Chapter 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and knowledge. Again, it's almost moral language. Fools hate wisdom and knowledge. And chapter 9, verse 9, we we have this. Instruct the wise, and they'll be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. Now, this is an example of Hebrew parallelism saying a similar thing in two slightly different ways. And you'll notice that those who are called wise in the first half of the verse are then called righteous in the second half of the verse. It's the same people. The wise are the righteous. The righteous are the wise. And we see that in many of the Proverbs, the moral categories, the moral instructions to to love our neighbors, to look after the poor. And we also see the consequences for those who don't seek wisdom. Just cast your eyes up very starkly. Verse 35. Again, this is wisdom. Uh, Both wisdom and folly are personified as female figures. So this is lady wisdom calling out. Verse 35. Come and get wisdom for those who find me. Find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. And all who hate me, all who hate wisdom, love death. Wisdom leads to life. Foolishness leads to death. Now, ultimately, if we truly, truly search for wisdom, that search for wisdom, that search for righteousness will lead us to Christ. Because we will realize that we'll never be fully wise. But in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And the wiser we become, the more we'll realize our lack of righteousness and that we need to turn to Jesus for his righteousness. And it is pride, the opposite of humility. Pride will keep us from Christ. Humility will take us to Christ. You may remember a couple of weeks ago we looked at Jesus' famous parable, will we build on rock or will we build on sand? Chapter 9, verse 6, leave your simple ways, turn to wisdom, and you will live. Build on the rock, be the wise man, and you will live. Chapter 9, verse 18, those who go to Lady Folly's house to eat, little do they know that the dead are there, that her her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Choose Folly, be the foolish one, and face destruction. So we have that choice on the last day, whether we have lived a wise or a righteous life, we'll be fully exposed when we meet God. But if we have done that, if we have turned to Christ, then in the meantime, wisdom will teach us how to live a good life. And not just churchy things, not just prayer and reading your Bible, but all of life, work, relationships, friendships. So I want to encourage us, go away and read. Read Proverbs for ourselves. Head off this week. Read through the book of Proverbs. And if we are humble, if we know our need for wisdom, if we seek it, then we will find it. The Lord promises to answer prayers for wisdom. So let's pray that for ourselves now. Father God, many of us do feel our lack of wisdom in this world. We know that that life is beyond us, making 
wise choices at every stage is beyond us. Lord, make us wiser, we pray. And Lord, I pray that we would go away this week and read your word in the book of Proverbs, chapter by chapter. Would you make us wise as we wrestle with the meanings, as we question how it applies in our lives? Would you make us wise, make us righteous, and lead us home to you? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.